It's so good to uh, just be in God's house on a Sunday night. Is it, how, how many of you guys noticed the weather today, right? It was cloudy, sunny, had some rain, and the sun's out. And man, uh, after the storm comes the rain, right? And then the rain comes, the sun shines. And I love that. And, and tonight, we're going to just look at a passage. Uh, it's a subject I don't really like to talk about because I'm not good at it. Anyone here good at being humble? Man, that ain't me. I don't know. I don't know. But humility is not, does not come natural to me. Maybe it does for you. And if you say you're humble, then you're really being prideful. So you're not humble at all. So you can't even say that you're good at being humble. Because if you say that, then you're really being prideful. You guys get that? Does that make sense? Okay. So tonight we're going to look at a man by the name of Naaman. Everyone say Naaman. And Naaman had this thing called, this disease called leprosy. And he had a decision to make. Like we all have many decisions to make in our Christianity, in our walk. And the crazy thing is he was given a simple command to go into a river and dip seven times. But in his mind, he probably thought it was too simplistic or he couldn't even humble himself to obey. And maybe tonight for all of us, I'll say all of us, God's prompting an area in your life that you need to obey, but you don't want to. And maybe it seems too simple his method or the way he wants things done, but maybe tonight he wants to prompt you and show you uh, that humility brings healing. And that's the story of what we're going to read tonight. So uh, if you got your Bible, because you have your Bible, if you don't have your Bible, there's a Bible in front of you. Second Kings chapter 5. Second Kings is after the book of First Kings, good, good, good. So if you find First Kings, just go to the next book over. Second Kings chapter 5, a story of a man named Naaman. And tonight's Bible study is called Too Proud to Obey. Pastor Rob was like, hey, did you get that from a song? Ain't too proud to beg. No, I didn't get it from that song, okay? So, but too proud to obey. Second Kings chapter 5 says, verse 1, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria, he was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive, uh, captive, uh, <laughs> brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria for he would heal him of his leprosy. Verse 4. Now Naaman went in and told his master, saying, <clears throat> told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who was from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing, then he brought the letter to the king, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. 
Then Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, Here, He will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the less, uh, leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not done it? How much more than when he says, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Verse 15, And he returned to the man of God and all his aides, and came and stood before him and said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servants. Let's pray. Father God, uh, may we hear your voice tonight, God. And would you drown out all the sounds, all the noises that are all around us, in our head and in our world. And we would clearly hear your voice, God. Uh, get us out of the way, Father. We, we, in a sense, just as we last sung, God, take our life and let it be. We give you our life, we give you our heart, we give you our mind tonight, God. Be glorified in this place. We ask even now, God, that you would begin to teach us and show us how to follow you and how to seek you, God. So, Lord, we love you so much, and we pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. So, a couple of things I want to share with you tonight, and, and the best way to share this is just to, to, to share them with you, and then we'll go through each point. But the first point is, Naaman had a problem. So if you're taking notes, the first point is, his problem equals God's purpose. Do you realize that God has a purpose for our problems in our life? He does. The second thing is, we're going to look at the life of this young girl who's held captive. She was a prisoner. But her life exemplifies God's grace because she actually told Naaman's wife what was the cure. And it was God. The third thing we're going to read tonight is his humility. The humility of Naaman equals God's healing. The best way for us to be healed is when we're humble before God. And maybe tonight it's a physical healing, but maybe a spiritual healing. Maybe an emotional healing needs to happen tonight. And finally, his testimony, which is we're talking about Naaman, his testimony equals God's glory. When you and I can testify the great and wondrous things of God, guess who gets all the glory? God. And so as we take a look at this tonight, I pray that we would be able to decipher and see what God has for us, even tonight. And so in this, one of the things that we want to look at real simply is his problem, God's purpose. This is now Naaman, commander of the army, king of Syria, a great and honorable man in the eyes of the master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria, he was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. 
This man, Naaman, he was highly recognized. He was known. He was successful. The Bible says he was a leper. Because of his leprosy, most of us know what leprosy is all throughout the Bible. And contrary to popular belief, it's not highly contagious. But he had contracted this disease. And the interesting thing about this, it probably started small. Maybe a little dry patch. And he went to the 99 cent store and got some lotion, put it on there. But it started to grow. Something small that became bigger. Something small that eventually became bigger. Maybe you've been there. It's a little pain, then a lot of pain. It's a little lump, then a bigger lump. That's what was happening through the main man. Can you imagine him going to the doctor? Hey, doc, I have this little dry patch. I put some lotion on it. Nothing's happening. Doctor examines it. Uh, Mr. Naaman, uh, I have some bad news for you. Oh, uh, do, you, do I need some antibiotics? What do I need? Um, the diagnosis is leprosy. No, not leprosy. Because remember, back then during those days, if you had contracted leprosy, you'd be outcast. You'd be ostracized. Remember, Naaman is a successful man. He has a name. He has fame. If this were to happen, it would ruin his whole life. His whole, could you imagine dreaming to be this man of honor, this man of war, this warrior, and all of a sudden your dream turns into a nightmare? And you can imagine a doctor was saying, um, there are some options, but not very many. Could you imagine this devastating diagnosis? Here you're on top of the world, and then the world comes crashing down on you. See, he had a problem. There are many people in our world today who have it all, but are still lacking. We can have it all, but still be missing. Interesting enough, leprosy is also symbolic of sin. And sin for us starts very small, doesn't it? And it creeps in and becomes bigger and bigger to the point where we can't handle it. And the same with leprosy. Leprosy starts small and you lose sensation in your fingers and, and different parts of your body. And all of a sudden, because you don't realize the sensation is no longer there, it starts, parts of your body start to fall off. And Naaman, fully aware that this is his fate, he can't avoid it. It's a problem he can't solve. Even heroes have their weakness, right? Even the greatest heroes, even Superman, he's got kryptonite, right? <laughs> Anyone remember Superman kryptonite? Those are the real superheroes. I don't know about now, but that, that was it. But you think about it. And so as I was thinking about this, he was a leper and as he got this devastating diagnosis, his dreams, all the things he had hoped for were no longer there. And the interesting thing is that because he was well-known, he didn't want anyone to know. So guess what? When he went into the public, he covered himself up, I'm sure. He had to keep his secret to himself. He couldn't let anyone know. If he had been found out, he would be kicked out. His fame, success, success would dwindle. Almost he even had to keep a distance. He couldn't let anyone come close. Because someone might notice, hey, Naaman, what's, what's that on your cheek? What's that on your nose? And all of a sudden, Naaman's nose falls off. You know, I mean, could you imagine what he's thinking here? So he hides his secret. 
his problem with God's purpose. Uh, Like Naaman, we're all susceptible, aren't we? Death, disease, disaster, tragedy, it all happens to all of us. But if maybe we can look at my problem and God's purpose. You make all things work together for my good. Is that not what we just sung? Is that, not, is that not what we just sung, church? Right? You don't believe that, do you, right? He works all things for our good. And as I started thinking about this, sometimes God will use pain, I hate to say it, pain, right, to speak to us. C.S. Lewis says this, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciousness, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Does pain ever get your attention? When's the last time you stubbed a toe or, or burned your little finger? That pain is instant, and it sends a message to your brain that says, ouch, that hurts. Pain gets our attention. Suffering causes us to look. And really, the key tonight, when we're suffering, when we're going through difficult times, what do we look at? Or a better question, who do we look to in our suffering and our pain? As I started thinking about this, I started thinking about in the book of Genesis, you have a man by the name of Joseph. Anyone know Joseph? Genesis, right? Loved by his parents, by his dad, hated by his brothers. Sold into slavery, wrongly accused, thrown into prison, unjustly blamed for doing something with Potiphar's wife. String of events. You want to talk about pain? You want to talk about suffering? You want to talk about what's God's purpose in all of this? That he would rise to the top eventually. And maybe you've been there. I've been there. Haven't we all? Moments when you think, what are you doing, God? This does not make sense. I should be here, but I'm here. And being here hurts. Pain speaks to us in different ways, doesn't it? And we react all differently. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 through 7 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, is tested by fire, may be found praise to the glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know why you and I go through the fire? You know why we experience pain? He wants to test the genuineness of our faith. If you ever want pure gold, not that anyone here is in that business, but maybe you are, you have to turn up the heat in order for the gold to be purified. And maybe some heat's been turned up in your life lately. And you're wondering, why, God? Why would you allow this in my life to see more of him in us? And I believe that's what's happening here. But the other interesting thing in verse 2, it talks about Real simply, the Syrians had gone back on raids and had brought back a captive young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. We don't know her name. She was between the ages of 12 to 18 years old. But can you imagine that she was in her land, now a prisoner of war. But not just a prisoner of war. She's now a servant to this man named Naaman. This man who probably was responsible for the fate of her family, her people, And her home. This man is probably responsible 
for the pillaging and the raping of the people that she knew. Could you imagine what this young girl experienced? Maybe fetching water from the well and all of a sudden, her land is attacked. Who knows what even happened to her or her mom or her dad. Maybe she even witnessed her family being killed. Who knows what? But now she's taken captive. And she's not placed in any old home. She's placed in the home of Naaman. This war hero, this decorated military warrior. And now she has to serve under him. Could you imagine that? You have to serve under the person who's probably responsible for the killing of your family and your friends, and your home. She probably wasn't too happy about that. Uh, If that was me, I'd be a little upset. I'd I'd be a little bit more than upset. I'd be angry. I'd be bitter. And it would be one of those things when Naaman's not looking and his cup of water is there, I would probably spit in his water, right? It's that kind of anger that boils up inside. He's like, All right, I may be under him, but you know what? Every single time, I'm going to do something to him. That that could have been her thoughts. That should have been. And you know what? Rightfully, we wouldn't blame her, would we? There's a part of us that would be like, of course. But something happens in here. It's because what the Bible says that she says to her mistress If only my master, speaking of Naaman, were with a prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Okay, this doesn't sound like a bitter young lady. Not at all. Which I don't get. Which I don't know if I would respond. If the one who, the murderer of your family, is over you, (laughs) and here she notices, because this is the thing, if she's living in the house of Naaman, she probably knows he has leprosy. Could you imagine all, all the people, all the servants? Naaman has leprosy. I mean, it's going around. And she probably has seen him trying to cover it up. She knows behind the scenes of what's going on in Naaman's life. And there's a part of her, well, I don't know, maybe for me, I was like, that's what you deserve. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? There's a part of us that will let you get what you deserve. But she didn't do that, did she? Her response wasn't bitterness. Her response was compassion. Her response wasn't based on what she felt, but who she knew. And she knew God. She was an Israelite. It was almost she felt sorry for this man and his incurable disease. She didn't focus on her loss, but she focused on her future gain. Can I get an amen on that, folks? We may have some losses here on planet Earth, but we've got some great eternal gain. Unimaginable. There's that song, I can only imagine. Don't you sometimes just dwell on the fact of heaven? No more of these bodies. Woo! Amen, right? No more traffic, no more bills, right? No more, no more telemarketers. I mean, come on. I mean, think about... Sorry, if that's your business, sorry. Shout out to you. Jesus loves telemarketers. But could you imagine, right? Could you imagine life, eternal life, in the presence of God? Something was going on with this young lady that I want. 
You know, the Bible speaks clearly how we should treat our enemies, people who wrong us. Pray for them. Bless them. For real? What if I don't feel like it, God? Anyone understand that? But not with this young lady. We cannot avoid bitter situations, but we can choose to be better. Don't allow the bitterness of life cause you to ever be bitter. I think if we could collect all our bitter stories, we could have a little pity party right up here. We could, couldn't we? Well, you don't know because this happened to me. I love this because she didn't claim victim, did she? She wasn't victimized by her situation. But some way, somehow found victory. She didn't claim the fact that she had lost And I think for all of us, we have stories. Well, you don't know what happened to me in second grade and why I was abused, okay? Well, you don't know when I was 16, my mom made me get an abortion, okay? Well, you don't know when 18 years old and my girlfriend died in a car accident due to a drunk driver, all right? Well, you don't know about this and you don't know about this. I'll tell you, I don't know, but I do know him. And he has a purpose and he's got a plan. See, God's purposes in the midst of pain But this young lady, I love this. She chose to be a blessing. That's really what's happening here. She knew the cure for Naaman. She knew exactly what he needed to do. And she says, there's a prophet, and I bet you he can heal him. And she could have kept it to herself, couldn't she? She I know who can help him, but I'm not going to say anything, right? But she made a conscious decision. She made a conscious decision not to be bitter. Here's this great quote. Bitterness and resentment comes from looking at others. Contentment comes from looking at God. Hey, if you and I look around, you will be bitter. You will have resentment. But if I want contentment, I need to look to the Lord, who knows everything. And I love it. She chose to be used by God. She chose to be used by God in a difficult situation. Her life is an example of God's amazing grace. Your life, is it not? An example of God's amazing grace. How many of y'all know you shouldn't even be here tonight at church on a Sunday night, right? This is the last place you have found yourself many years ago, but for some odd, strange reason, God saw something in you, something in me, and says, I want him. I want her. Come on now. Come on home. Man, that, that, is, that is our cry, isn't it? To tell the world that their sins are forgiven and he's got amazing grace for them. That's why we, that's why we still have breath. That's why we, why we still have life. Because there's a world outside these doors. They don't even know what they're missing. Because they have so much missing in their life, correct? This young lady chose to be used by God. And in, in despite of this desperate episode in her life, she allowed the grace of God to transform her. It doesn't say she wasn't bitter. It doesn't say she wasn't upset. But in this very moment, she chose to be a blessing. It was God's grace that gave her the desire to share the solution with him. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, 4, by grace you've been saved. His grace it had nothing to do how good she was, how many times she went to the temple. 
It had nothing to do with all these things that happened prior to this. All it had to do with God's grace. How many are familiar with Corrie Ten Boom? She writes this book called The Hiding Place. She was a Dutch watchmaker, and she had a heart for the, the Jewish people that were being cruelly tormented <clears throat> during the Nazi Holocaust. And she writes this, Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them, referring to the Nazis. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? She says, Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. And I so discovered that it is not our forgiveness any more than our goodness that the world hinges, but on his forgiveness and on his goodness. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives us along the command the love itself. When you can't love, ask for his love. When you can't forgive, ask for his forgiveness. When you can't be merciful, ask for his mercy. See, she did not only possess the grace of God in her life. Elisha, the man, the prophet she's talking about, had never healed anyone of leprosy. So in her mind, she's thinking, I'm going to go tell Naaman's wife to talk to Elisha. It wasn't Elisha, Elisha, professional prophet, specializing in healing leprosy. He had never done it before. If you go in the book of Luke, it says he had never healed anyone other than Naaman. So there was no track record for her. She didn't like, oh, leprosy, uh, automatically, automatically Elisha. It wasn't like that. She just knew, I love this, he was just a man of God. And whatever he was going to do, he would do it through the power of God and not his own. And I love that faith, right? That faith to believe that anything and, and everything can be done through the work of God. That's faith. Um, God ever call you to have mustard seed faith to believe? Jesus, when he was referring, talking to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a, as a what? You will say this to, mount, to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be, and nothing will be for you. Man, I love that. And the interesting thing, it's not the smallest seed, but when it grows, it shoots up. And I love this. Even if you cut it down, it will grow back again. Even today, if you have a little faith, and maybe your faith started strong, and you were shooting up, growing with the Lord, and something, some tragedy came in your life and knocked it down, mustard seeds will begin to sprout right after. That's faith. It's not you having faith. It's the faith that God can give you, can give me. See, she had that kind of faith. It's like, I don't think, I've never heard Elisha to do it, but he's a man of God. It's kind of a daunting task uh, working here at the church and we get these hospital calls and the family comes and we get to go visit. Sometimes they're deathly ill. Sometimes they just had a surgery. You don't know what's going on. And they're coming and they're looking to us to come and do a healing, right? Come and, come and do something miraculous. And at times it's almost daunting. Like, oh, the pastor's here and people start clapping. No, they don't clap. But just, uh, just it's like, 
you're almost feeling like pressured and you're ready to pray and everyone's looking. Okay, we're going to pray. And you pray and I peek and they're looking at me, staring at me like something's going to happen. Man, but do I have the faith? And this is for all of us. Do I have the faith to believe that God can heal? Do I have the faith to believe that God can provide? Do I have the faith to believe that God can transform? Yes. Even mustard seed faith. This young lady, she said, I don't know if he can do it, but I believe he's a man of God. See, I don't know what you're going through. And I don't know what you're imprisoned by. I don't know what's eating away at your life. But I do know this. I know the one who can help you. I know the one who can heal you. I know the one who can hold you. And his name is Jesus. And if you cry out tonight, whatever that is, he will answer. And he's going to do a miracle as we're going to read this. So Naaman goes to his master. And as he goes to his master, he says, hey, there's this girl. You know my, you know my servant? She said, there's a man, a prophet in Israel who can heal me. Uh, can I get permission to go? And the crazy thing is, his master probably wants his, 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 his warrior, this man of valor, uh, Naaman to be healed. So he sends him off, and he sends him off with a multitude of things. It says he had 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 changes of clothing. I don't know why there's 10 changes of clothing, but maybe just he wanted, I don't know, look good when he traveled. But it came out to be about one, $1.2 million. So you can imagine this. His boss says, go. It'd be like as if today you go to your boss. Hey, boss, I need to take about a couple months off. There's this guy in a, a part of Asia that has a cure for cancer. Uh, and by the way, can you give him $1.2 million to give us a gift? That wouldn't fly today, but that's what happened. And the interesting thing, his boss said, go. In fact, I'm going to write a letter. Oh, a letter of recommendation? Yeah. So you could imagine Naaman thinking, hey, it's, it's matching up. I'm going to be healed. This little servant girl said, this is the guy who can do it. My boss, my master said, yes, go ahead. He even gives me some trinkets, some prizes for this man of God. But something interesting happens here. And it so happened, verse 7, the king of Israel reads this letter, but he tears his clothes and he says, am I God to make, to kill and make alive? He gets upset. It's almost he receives this letter from the king of Syria and, and, and he reads this almost like, who does he think I am? I don't have the power to heal. I don't have the power to do any of this. I'm just the king. And should I be obligated to heal this man of leprosy who I don't even know and that this letter of reference, this letter of recommendation should do the trick? See, he even goes to the fact that I have no relationship. And this is the interesting thing. God will sometimes use people out of the blue, people who have no, no, no direct contact with us to be used of God because this is what happens. Elisha hears about it. He says, yo, king, um, there's this guy, Naaman, who came. Um, send him my way. I love this. Sometimes God, sometimes I want a direct shot from God. Anyone want that? You know, I, I ask, you answer right away, straight to me. But sometimes God will do different things in our life 
twists and turns to answer our prayer, doesn't he? Sometimes your prayers are answered through other means, not the way that you think God should answer. And so as I started thinking about this, this is what's going on here. And Naaman, I love this, gets to the house with his horses and chariots, it says in verse 9, and he stood at Elisha's door. As he's standing there, Elisha doesn't even come out. It says, Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. It's almost like the fact Naaman knocks on the door. Is Elisha here? And Elisha's, yo, servant, messenger, go tell him, go wash in Jordan seven times, da-da-da. Servant goes to the door. Well, Elisha said, go and wash in the Jordan River seven times. You know what I'm talking about? You know when someone calls you and have kids, right? Or someone knocks at the door, is your mom or dad home? Mom, dad, are you home? And you tell, tell them I'm not home. My mom said she's not home, right? <laughs> it's like, uh, no, I know she's home because, right? And that's what's kind of going on here. So obviously the Bible says that Naaman becomes furious. Because Naaman always wanted to be honored. And this is humbling, isn't it? The man you've come to see, the man that you've traveled, you have all this stuff to give him, decides not even to come out, but just to give a command to a messenger. And the message was, go to the Jordan River, dip seven times, you'll be clean. Simple, really. Let me tell you this. It's not about the messenger, it's about the message. And oftentimes we don't like the, the messenger. Anyone here been, ever been corrected by a friend, a loved one? Anyone here ever had someone in your life bring you a message that you didn't like? Regardless of who gives that message, if it's a word from the Lord, it's a word from the Lord. How many times have you been in church and you've been convicted by what someone has shared or maybe in a conversation, more, maybe even in a prayer, maybe even in a song, you're like, God, that's, that hurts because it's sp- speaking directly to your heart, and that's what's going on here. Naaman became furious, and this is what he says. Indeed, verse 11, Indeed, I say to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. He's almost saying, have some respect. Elisha, come on out and do, do your little hand wave. Get your magic wand. Do a little hocus pocus. Do some supercalifragilisticexpialidocious on me, you know? He's almost kind of like, do something. Don't leave me hanging here. And he says, are not the Abana and the Farfar and the rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went away in a rage. So this is a picture, guess what, of the Jordan River. So it looks kind of muddy and murky. Last year, a handful of us had the privilege to go to Israel, where Pastor Jeff and the team is at. And so one of the days we got to go to the Jordan River. And I've never seen pictures, really, of the Jordan I've only read in the Bible, 
you know, the book of Joshua and just all these things. And so we get there and are you guys going to baptize? All right, cool. In the Jordan River? No way. That's where Jesus was baptized, right? So we get there, we get changed and we're like, oh, it's like a swamp. It's like, are there some crocodiles up in there? I mean, I'm just thinking, what's going You cannot see the bottom. Look at that. Look, look how murky and muddy that is. And it's like, okay, pastors, you're going to get in the water. Get in the water? I ain't going to get in that water. Like, I'm just like, really? So could you imagine Naaman? Out of all the rivers, he's like, uh, the rivers of Abana and Farfar, the, the rivers in Damascus, they're much more cleaner. Why would God want me to go to a river that's murky and muddy and dips seven times? Makes no sense. But actually makes a lot of sense. The word Jordan means descender, like to descend, to go down, to fall down, to prostrate yourself, to humble yourself. And how many times? Seven times. Seven is the number of completion. In a sense, what is going on here? Elisha is saying, humble yourself. Go down to the river of humility. And do it seven times. Such a simple request. But Naaman was too proud to obey. He becomes furious. He walks away. And I started to think about this for ourselves. Has God ever called upon you to do something that's impractical? Maybe a bit illogical? Maybe something unusual in your life? And there have been times that we've obeyed. And maybe tonight there's an area of your life where God's calling you to do something and you're not too sure if you should do it, but you believe God has told you to do it, but you're not sure what the outcome will be. We already know the end of this story. Name is going to be healed. We know that. Has God ever let you down? Uh, I was waiting for a response. Has God ever let you down? No. Has God ever let you down? Will he ever let you down? We just sung that. Man, Anthony, you picked some good songs for my study. He's never going to let us down, right? He's never going to let us down. So why should I not trust him? Why should I not give him my life? If he's been faithful, everyone hold your Bible up. Do, do a little like this. Do something like this, okay? Phones, Bibles. He's been faithful to every single person in this book. He's been faithful throughout history. He's never let anyone down. And he's not going to start now. My God is faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. As he walks away and chooses not to do the simple, it's almost as if Naaman was crushed with the means by which God had chose to heal him. You ever get crushed with God's response to your prayers? Because it's not what you expected? Right? When you wanted him to say yes, and God shuts the door. Anyone ever really wanted a particular, particular job, or an apartment, or a, per, a specific significant other, right? And God says, nope, not for you. But because... God knows better. And he knows what's best for you. See, 
the cure was not the river. The cure wasn't the water. The cure wasn't found in Elisha. The cure was found in humility that led to obedience. See, in order for me to obey, I have to submit to the Lord. I have to humble myself. It's not always easy, is it? Doesn't, it doesn't always come easy when you and I are called to obey. The bottom line is that Naaman wasn't willing to humble himself, to go low, to go downward, to fall down seven times. According to Naaman, his healing should have been done a specific way, but it wasn't. It's almost in the same way. If you have an ailment, you go to a doctor, and it takes some humility. Some of us um, you don't have to raise your hand, but some of you guys don't like going to the doctor, right? Because you're afraid of what he's going to say. You just don't want to know, so you'd rather avoid it, right? But if you want to know, you have to humble yourself. What do you got to do? You got to call Kaiser, make an appointment, go online. You, you have to humble yourself. And then you got to tell him what's going on. Anyone ever been embarrassed to tell the doctor what's really going on, right? Well, when I go to the bathroom, you know what I mean? And you're just like, you don't want to share all that business. But in order for him or her to diagnose you well, you got to lay it all out there, right? I have a funny story. Should I share this story? Okay, I'm just going to do it anyway. Okay. So anyway, (laughs) sorry, please edit this. So anyway, I went to the Philippines some years ago and... um, I contracted a, uh, a bacteria, parasite, and so I obviously, I wasn't feeling well. We'll just put it that way, right? And um, my wife's uh, cousin worked at the emergency room at Torrance Memorial, and so I'm there in the emergency, and he sees me, and he has to examine me, okay? So this is kind of interesting. This is someone you know, and they have to examine you in a certain area of your body, and he's like, okay, we got a choice here. I can do it, or I can have someone else do it, right? And I, and I had to describe and just, it, it's a bit humiliating, right? Well, in order there, for there to be a proper diagnosis, I have to humble myself. I have, to, I have to share it all. In order for us, whether it be sin or leprosy, it matters not, we have to be humble enough to admit it. But not only admit it, once that was done, he gave me a prescription If I wanted to be healed, guess what? I had to obey what that prescription said. I had to be on the BART diet. Is that it? Bananas, applesauce, rice, and toast. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. I was putting some tapatio on that. I don't know what, but just it wasn't my favorite thing. But it helped me. I had to take this antibiotics. All this to say, in order to be healed, there had to be obedience. If we're willing to do that, with a doctor, with a man's mind, how much more with the God who created our bodies? How much more who the God who created the heavens and the earth should we be obedient to that calling? The economy of God, I love this. <laughs> if we desire God's touch, we must allow him to touch us the way he sees fit. If I want to, God to speak to me, I got to allow him to speak to me however he wants to speak to me. And I started thinking about this more and more. I want to be someone who hears God's voice and who's humble. And finally, as it wraps up here, verse 13, it says, And the servants came near and spoke to him, saying, My father, if the prophet had told you something great, would you have not done it? 
How much more than when he says, wash and be clean? So I love this. Praise God for innocent bystanders. Praise God that they had the boldness to go to their master name and say, Naaman, if he had said, go jump off a cliff and do some somersaults and then jump in, you know, a raft, you would probably have done it. But because his request was a bit maybe ridiculous in your eyes or maybe unusual or maybe because you just didn't feel like doing it, you refused. And I love this. Verse 14, so he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan. According to the saying of the man of God. This is the turning point for Naaman. His life is radically changed from this point forward. He did exactly what Elisha told him to do. He put aside all logic, his own thoughts, his ways, and he followed through. And I could imagine this. Maybe you could imagine this. Here he is. All right, Jordan River. All right, here we go. Uh, and maybe even just thinking, what if it doesn't work? What's going to happen? Here he goes. Once. Twice. Okay, nothing's happening. Three. Four. All right, still looks the same. Nothing's changed. Five. Six. Oh my goodness, all these people are watching, right? Seven. And the Bible says his flesh was that like a little child. And he was clean. Even though he fussed, he fought, he humbled himself and he obeyed. And out of obedience came healing. Not any old kind of healing, but healing that can only come from heaven. And you and I, we're really good at putting band-aids on our life, aren't we? You get hurt, put a band-aid. You get wounded, put a band-aid. God's like, mm, enough of the band-aids. Let's heal you permanently. Let's get rid of that leprosy, Naaman. Let's get rid of the, the, the bad experience of your, experiences of your past. Let's get, bad of, get rid of the bad relationship issues. Let's get rid of the daddy issues. Let's get rid of all that. No longer be a victim, but be a victor in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors through him, through Christ who loves us. And maybe tonight you are sitting here because you want to be healed, but God's saying, humble yourself. Give yourself completely to me. The beautiful thing in all of this, his testimony, verse 15, and he returned to the man of God and all his aides and came and stood before him and said, this is it. Indeed, now I know. That there is a God and there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now he knows. Now he's a believer. Imagine his testimony. One time hero, one time leper, forever follower now. Radically changed. Oftentimes we want God to heal us of one thing, but he sees something greater than what we're asking. It says, now I know that there is no God in all the earth. But I love this. Guess who he used? Look back, look back. He used the young little girl from Israel to speak a word. 
to provide a way out. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put the shame to put to shame the things which are mighty. God uses and desires to use us. Anyone here weak? I am. Anyone here foolish? Oh yeah, I bet you're better than that, right? I mean, he chose us. And as a display of gratitude, he wants to give all these possessions to Elisha. And it reminds me in Luke chapter 17, remember the 10 lepers? They were healed, but only one. Only one came back and said thanks. Only one praised God. Only one, only one went back and worshiped God. And maybe there's one here tonight. Maybe you're the one leper. Just thank you, God. And maybe tonight it's all about just thanking him. But maybe tonight also, also it's about being obedient to him. A couple months ago, Pastor Guna, um, the pastor of Cary Chapel there in India, he showed a video of the Send Hope Ministry. And there is a portion of it of this young girl. She's 21 years old. Her parents had died of AIDS. She is now contracted with AIDS. But there's a, there's a statement that she makes, and it's something to the effect that, I'm glad I have the disease of AIDS. Because if I didn't have it, I would have not known Jesus Christ. Yeah, there are problems. But God has a great divine purpose and plan for those problems. And sometimes it is seeing someone's life and seeing the grace of God. And it is all about us humbling ourselves that there might be a healing. But I love this. In the end, when there's a testimony, because there will be a testimony, folks. There always will. God's like that. You know that issue and that trouble and that temptation and that difficulty? God's in that. He's in your fire. He's in your boat. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, in that fiery furnace, there was a fourth figure, and that was Jesus Christ. And that's why they were able to walk around with freedom, knowing that my God is with me. And so no matter how long I'm going to be in this fire, I'm going to stand. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to continue to look to him. Let me share this last verse here with you. 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. Man, when I think about Naaman's life, and I think about what he experienced and how he obeyed God, to him it was foolishness. But when he accepted and became obedient, it's the power of God. See, what we do here, Sunday nights, Sunday mornings, Thursday nights, what we do here is a bit foolish to the world. Think about even worship. We come here and we lift our hands to someone we can't see, but we're singing songs to him. We're surrendering our life to him. It's foolishness, but check this out. The cross, Jesus' is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, anyone saved here in the house of God? Okay. 
It's the power of God. That's where our power, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same power he gives us every single day. So yes, we have problems. Yes, we have troubles. But we got Jesus. And so tonight, um, it was my heart to, to close out in, in worship, but also pray. And um, we have the worship team come on up. Just as I was sitting there worshiping the Lord, um, I was just thinking about what, what, what God doesn't want to give. And they, and they say this. Sometimes in a crowd like this, I pray, God, do something great, something miraculous, something that blows our mind away. But sometimes God wants to just do a simple work in our hearts, a transforming work. Maybe just an area of obedience where he says, just follow me. God's economy is crazy. If you want to be first, you got to be last. If you want to be great, you got to be servant of all. If you want to gain your life, you got to lose your life. That's the calling. That's, that's what you and I have decided to do. And oftentimes, we need to stop looking at our circumstances and start looking to Christ. Start looking to the author and the finisher of our faith. And just even tonight as, as we pray, um, maybe tonight there's just an area in your life that you need to surrender to God. You need to say, God, I can't do this. This is way too hard. This diagnosis that I got from the doctor, I can't handle it. This temptation, it's eating away at me. This past experience, I keep rewinding in my head. I got I to gotta get rid of it. The grief that I've experienced in the past, I, I got to give it to you, God. And even as, as we just worship in the song, if, if God would so impromptu upon you, I, I want you to stand. Not, not for the sake of anything other than I want Jesus. He's all I want. And he's the one I look to, and he's the one I trust. And just as we worship, as the Lord would prompt you not, not to, let's just close our eyes and pray. Let's do that. Father God, we just want to thank you. And you know those who stand. You know those that love you. You know what it is that they're holding on to, that they need to give to you. At the same time, God, you know what we need. And maybe you won't tell us to, dip in the Jordan seven times, or maybe you'll prompt us to let go or to hold on. And Jesus, you know all those that are here, Father. And I ask God, just even as we worship in this song, God, that you would, you would, be, you, you would take the center of all that we do, God. So we just thank you, God. Those that are standing, God, would you minister to their hearts, would you speak to them? Would you, would you get their attention today? And whether you use pain or problems to do that, God, would, would you just bring them in, God? Bring them in to your loving arms. God, I pray even that you would embrace some today, that they would know that they're loved by their Father in heaven, that they would know that they serve a good, good Father. So we thank you, God.